Skills are an iconic part of just about every tabletop role-playing game. They represent what your character is good at doing. I think most of us know the most common skills like stealth, perception, investigation, rummage for things that I shouldn't throw at people, kick off the bathroom floor to escape drowning, speak with ghost child, and the oh-so-classic break window. These are all real skills that happened in our game of I Roll for Shoes back in 2019. I have played many systems since then, and I Roll for Shoes may be the best microsystem ever devised. Hello and welcome to the Tome of Dungeoneering. I'm Justin, and today I am going to take the time to introduce you to an absolute banger of a microsystem called iRoll for Shoes. But first, what is a microsystem? Microsystems are small, self-contained, tabletop role-playing game systems. Oftentimes, they seek to create a certain mood or motif whereas a macro system like Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder tend to be large enough to account for a variety of styles of play. I Roll for Shoes focuses on shared narrative storytelling with a beautifully elegant and simple system with only six rules to play. So here they are. Rule number one. Say what you want to do and roll a number of d6s determined by the level of the relevant skill you have. So, if you have the skill Do Anything with a score of 1, you would roll a single six-sided die. If you have the skill Kick the Monster in the Face with a score of 3, you would roll three six-sided dice. It's up to you to think on your feet about how you will use these skills. For example, you and your party have encountered a locked door. One player might say, I'm going to do anything and try to pick the lock. They roll 1d6 against the DM's d6 and they fail. The door stays locked. While looking at your character sheet, you see that you have kick the monster in the face with a rank of 3. Now, the door is not a monster, but that doesn't matter. You just ask the DM if you could use that to try and kick down the door. Now you get to roll 3d6 to see if you can get through the door. It is much more likely that you will succeed. Which brings us to the next rule. If the sum of your roll is higher than the opposing roll, the thing you wanted to happen happens. Just that easy. Now, it's up to the DM how they want to roll. Some DMs match the roll to the skill, meaning that if it's kick the monster in the face with a rank of three, they would also roll 3d6 to oppose it. Now, personally, I don't like to do it that way. I prefer to set some standards at the beginning, with very easy tasks being 1d6 on the low end of the spectrum and 6d6 being extremely hard tasks at the other end. I also use the meets it beats uh, mentality. So even 66 is possible to beat with a do anything of 1d6. 
So if I roll six six-sided dice and all of the sides add up to six, and then you roll a single six-sided dice that lands on a six, you would win that exchange. Three, all players start with one skill. Do anything with a score of one. The rule gives so much freedom in its vagueness. So when it comes to character creation, I always tell my players to just give me a name and a description. They can be any race from any system or genre because they're all going to start with the same mechanical skill, only that one stat. So no matter what they choose, it's in balance. Rule number four, if you roll all sixes, you get a new skill specific to the action one level higher than the one you just used. This is also a really easy rule. Look back at our example of the locked door. What if the do anything had critically succeeded by rolling a six on a D6? Well, in that instance, not only would the door have opened, but you would write a new skill on your character sheet, maybe called lock picking with a score of two. That way, next time you find an opportunity to use your lock picking, instead of do anything, you can roll 2d6 with your new lock picking ability. It's the same with the kicking the monster in the face skill check to kick down the door. That was 3d6. So if you roll three sixes, you would get a new skill, possibly called kicking down the door with a rank of four, making kicking in doors later that much easier. Rule number five, for every roll you fail, you get one experience point. This is one of those rules that is so elegantly simple. It's right up there in the annals of elegant rules with advantage and disadvantage. If you fail, you learn something in the form of a single XP from that failure. Now, rule six explains how to use that XP to grow. Which brings us to rule number six. XP can be used to change a die into a six for advancement purposes only. So let's look at lock picking again. Let's say you've encountered an intricate lock on a garish and gaudy chest, and you know that you have a lock picking skill with a score of 2d6. When you roll, you get a two and a six for a total of eight. Now, even if that succeeds, you can spend an XP to change that 2 to a 6. You have now rolled a critical success and gain a new skill, perhaps unlocking gaudy chests with a rank of 3. Now, if 8 wasn't high enough and you end up failing that check, you can still expend an experience point to change it to a 6, you would gain the new skill, but you would still fail to unlock the chest. Oh, and because it was a failure, you still get an XP for future use. That's it. Those are the core rules to play the game. You have literally everything you need. Anything else is up to the imagination of you and your table. That being said, there are a few things that make this system awesome and ridiculous, and it's highly encouraged that your new skills have strangely specific names based on what we were doing when you leveled up. 
instead of something boring like lockpicking three, do lockpicking gaudy chests three. This will lead to zany situations of trying to figure out how to use your list of oddly specific skills instead of the just do anything that you start with. Okay, now of course, this is the Tome of Dungeoneering. And if I didn't talk about how you could modify this to handle more in-depth concepts, well, our baby owlbear Todd would be very displeased. And we can't have that. The rules very much exclude combat, because it is meant at its core to be a narrative system, not a numbers-heavy system. However, I like my games to have stakes and risk, and sure, I could just say, well, you failed a dangerous roll, so you die. Tracking HP, even a small amount, adds to the tension as death looms ever closer. In my homebrew, I gave each of my players six hit points. Anytime they failed a check that could hurt them, they lost a single hit point, with death being final at zero HP. So no death saving throws. If you hit zero, you were just down. The nice thing about doing it this way is that it allows for combat while keeping the focus on the narrative instead of math or tracking weapon and damage types. Just explain what you're doing and roll the appropriate skill. As a melee fighter, you might use do anything to punch a bad guy in the face. On a critical success, you now have the skill punch a bad guy in the face with a rank of two. Now, what about magic? When we played this the last time, I had a player that very much wanted to be a magic user. So I set the base difficulty for a cantrip-like spell at 4d6 and added a dice for every level of more advanced magic. It was intentionally a challenge. To even begin your spellcasting journey, you would need to start a do-anything by rolling 1d6 and hoping that my 4d6 rolls a 6 or lower. Like every other skill progression, it would eventually get easier, but it's just going to take a bit to get going. By the end of that game, my player was using the skill Cast an Extra Devastating Fireball with a rank of 6. It became overpowered, and it was awesome, and we loved it. As you can see, playing I Roll for Shoes is incredibly easy and accessible and modifiable. It is also impossible to plan for what your players might do, and that is such a freeing feeling for the DM. In Dungeons & Dragons, I often find myself trying to game out what I think a player might do. That just isn't possible in a system like this. You are best off just going with the flow. I hope you get your friends and family to play it. I'm sure you will have an amazing time. Let us know on Twitter how you use these rules and let us know what changes you make to them to make them your own. Okay, here's one last example of a skill you can make up on the spot with I Roll for Shoes. I Roll to convince you to support us. The Tome of Dungeoneering is a project of passion done by myself and a few other wonderful people. This endeavor is made possible and easier by your support. Let me know if I succeeded in my skill check by heading over to our Patreon. The link you'll find in the description. 
Thank you so very much, and we look forward to seeing you on the next page. Hey, hey, it's an owl bear.